Let us stand together for the call to worship which comes to us this morning from Psalm 66, uh, the first five verses. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds for the children of man. Even as God has called us into worship, he now greets us as we enter into his presence with these words, Grace and peace unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the fourth chapter, reading this morning from Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 32, the end of that chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 17, let us hear the word of God. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. First let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Thus far, the reading of God's most holy word. We will be giving our attention to the first three verses, 17, 18, and 19, 
for our consideration this morning. Now, the word walk has some very interesting uses. Most common, of course, is we talk about taking a walk, moving from one point to another. But there are other ways uh, that that word is commonly used, and one of them is to convey something quite different, really quite a different use. Uh, When we talk about taking a walk, we are physically moving ourselves from one spot to another. But a fairly common use of the word walk has to do with the kind of life that one lives. Now there's perhaps some type of movement, spiritually speaking or morally speaking, in that kind of a walk. Not physical. But the emphasis can be specifically on the ethical or the spiritual. So when we talk about someone's walk, we may be talking about their ethical or spiritual lifestyle. And that is how that is used in this passage, when it says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. It's not that somehow Christians have a different way of walking from down the street or whatever than non-Christians do. But they are different in their lifestyle. Also note that here the reference to Gentiles, while we're used to that uh, being used in a sense of all who were non-Jews, uh, as in the Old Testament, but that term now takes on, in the New Testament, uh, a more of a spiritual connotation, and that is all those who are unbelievers. May in fact be, and it will be at this point in time, uh, many who are Jews but have rejected Christ. And so in the sense of the word uh, that uh, don't walk as the Gentiles, what we're seeing here or saying here, don't walk or don't conduct your life like unbelievers do. And the thing that we are looking at today is that there is a difference. The lifestyles of those two are not the same. There may be a lot of things that are similar. The difference has to do with particularly the ethical, moral, and spiritual conduct of one who is a believer in Christ on the one hand, and someone who is not, on the other hand. And the difference between the two is not just simply that one believes, says, I'm a Christian, I trust in Christ, and maybe on occasion goes to church. It is an all-encompassing reference, and thus the use of the word walk. Your life. Yes, we may conduct ourselves, we may drive cars like everybody else, we may walk down the street the way unbelievers do, we may even go and uh, and cheer at certain sporting events, as we like to do around here, the same way that unbelievers do. But the walk of life is different. And thus the question for this morning is, in that regard, we're going to seek to identify, what is that walk of the unbeliever? What does it have to say about that? And what is the basis upon which the unbeliever, in fact, lives his life? A lot of, we find ourselves struggling with that in our world today. How can all of these things go on? How can that happen? And then we will see 
of the reality of the changed lifestyle for the believer. So let us be reminded now, this is the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Let us be reminded who Paul is speaking to here uh, as he addresses the book, uh, uh, the, the uh, church at Ephesus. In the second chapter, he identifies them as members of the church who had at one time been dead in trespasses and sins. They had been dead in trespasses and sins. That's a description. In other words, he is speaking to people who were converts. Now, in some sense, we are all converts. Even if you've been raised, as I think probably most of you have been, in a Christian home in which you've never known anything else but the Lord and serving Him and, and have learned over time, but, but you were born and conceived in sin. Dead, spiritually speaking, through the fall of Adam and Eve. And, and so the exhortation by Paul begins with the word, therefore. You must no longer walk. The therefore is not so specifically here in, in the ESV, but it has a reference back to what has been said, which we did not read this morning, uh, but in the previous verses of that chapter, talks about two very important aspects of the gospel. God has provided through the ministry of his word, and as we've seen this morning uh, in, in the service to that, to the, the eldership, he has provided that the word of God, which is the word of life to dead people, spiritually speaking, is made known, is heard. You have heard the preaching of the Word of God. And secondly, as those who have heard the preaching of the Word of God, you, the church, are built up in the Lord. As we continue to see that in, in that passage, that we grow together, grow in love, grow in spirit and bond of peace, uh, and we are no longer people who are thrown around by every wind of doctrine. And so now because of that, you have come to, by God, or to God, by responding to the gospel. You have heard the gospel, Paul says, and you have become part of the church of Jesus Christ. Therefore, that means something has taken place. And it's more than just simply, well, now you've begun this process that every Lord's Day you come and meet at, at the church. Or you have also, as you joined the church, you have made a public profession of your faith. Much more, Paul is talking about, it has something to do with your life. 24-7. It means that you have salvation. You are the recipient of God's grace. That's the grace of God we are grateful for. You are now the people of God. You are no longer dead in trespasses. See, a, a, a change has taken place. Something has happened. These people that Paul addresses in Ephesians, the second chapter, that he said you were dead in sin, are no longer dead in sin. They have now received the grace uh, of God and have faith. That's how we understand our, all of ourselves as God's people. So here is the result then, or the reality of all of that. It means your life has changed. Your walk is clearly different. That change needs to be evident in 
your life. It's really very simple. God is the creator. God has given direction for life. When we recognize him as our God, we are recognizing, and this is what the first sin and what ultimately all sin is about, is that is rather than an Adam and Eve saying, as they listen to the temptation of the devil, saying, yes, Lord, whatever you tell us, what you have established, because you are God, you have determined what is right and wrong from eternity. Uh, you are the creator. We are the creatures. When they listened to the devil, when he said, you can be your own gods, they decided, we're going to decide for ourselves. Ultimately, that's at the core of every sin that you and I are engaged in. That we are actually saying, when God says, here is what's right, and we don't do that, we do something else, we are saying we know better than God. We're going to follow our direction. We are taking on the role of the Creator, which is, of course, an impossibility, and that's the rebellion. This is the fall into sin. And so for the one who has gone from rebellion against God to one who has turned to God for salvation through the Savior, they still live based, they then live based on a lifestyle from God. The first thing that we need to understand, and it must be abundantly clear, when we talk about the lifestyle that you are no longer, that you have been called out of, that you must see that change, you're not like, you no longer walk in that way. It is abundantly clear that the unbeliever is alienated from God or a life that has changed. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him Thank, give thanks to him, but they became, and now listen to this description, they became futile in their thinking. The point I want to make here, as I read earlier from Romans 1, is an understanding of the reality of sin and the reality of that walk of life. It is based on ignorance. Remember, the point is the exhortation to you but that's not where you are at. It's important to uh, regard then when we are so tempted by how the world does live, how the Gentile does walk, and to be clear about where such a walk, in fact, comes from. The walk of the Gentile, the ungodly, comes from a mind which is blind spiritually. It's not just that they don't know God. It's not just that they deny that Christ has died on the cross for our sins, that's, of course, rebellion. And to do so is to uh, end up in eternal hellfire. Let's be clear about that. But it's based on a thought process. 